Welcome to another edition of BeefleCast, a weekly podcast that takes an honest and sometimes irreverent look at the state of open hardware, embedded Linux, and all things BeagleBoard. Hi, and welcome to BeagleCast. I'm one of your hosts, Jason Kreidner, and will be joined shortly by Gerald Coley and Jeffrey Ozier-Mixon. We'll be getting together weekly to discuss what's new in open hardware, embedded Linux, and all things BeagleBoard. We welcome your contributions by leaving us any questions or suggestions that you might have by calling 713-234-0535 and leaving a message, or by visiting http colon slash slash bit.ly B-I-T dot L-Y slash B-C suggest. Hi, this is Jason Kreidner. I'm here with uh, Gerald Coley and Jeffrey Ozier-Mixon, and we're getting started with another edition of BeagleCast, and we're going to try to blast through this one this time. Jeff, Gerald, you ready? Let's do it. All right. Um, so the first thing I think we have to go through is uh, the, the news that we saw on the RSS feed over the last week. Lots of activity, I think, as in, as in every week. We'll just try to, to handpick uh, a few of the topics. We saw one about somebody had uh, added an uh, external battery case to their Beagle board. Over the last several months, I've noticed that every now and then, probably once every two or three weeks, somebody will either ping me directly or ask on the mailing list about batteries and running off of batteries. The car PC folks have also wondered about uh, DC-DC converters. Yeah, this is something that we've talked quite a bit about on the hardware side as well. In reality, the board will take, you know, power voltage. It'll take like 12 volts and, and run the board. The problem comes in for the uh, the USB hub. It won't take it. You need to convert that from whatever voltage you're working on to uh, to 5 volts so that the hub will be happy and won't turn to smoke. But uh that's something we talked about, and hopefully here in the next six months, or so, we'll actually be looking at a few things and maybe making some things available to uh, to allow people to hook different voltages on there. It'd be great to have a little device, or at least a pointer to a device that's out there now. I know that uh, SparkFun's got a few; they've got a whole a whole line of DC DC converters that might be appropriate. Yeah, but the complication here is, you know, basically it's driven by the hub. The hub does take a little bit of power. I think it probably takes more power than the – it definitely takes more power than the processor. So that kind of complicates things because, you know, we didn't want to add a big watt waster on there and heat things up by people hooking all kinds of weird voltages to it and it dropping it down to 5 volts and being noisy and all that kind of stuff because we've seen some issues with that. So, mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I agree. I think it's something that we're definitely going to take a look at and hopefully we'll be able to come up with a good solution and, and everyone's free to take a look at what's out there and see if you can get your hands on them and experiment with them and and see how far you can get. Well, I know the Beagle Juice is out there, and this is something I thought was pretty straightforward based on the fact that we could power off of USB because there's all these uh, phone chargers out there, and that was what I had early used was like this Energizer um, cell phone charger with the USB uh, adapter. But, uh, yeah, I guess the, the, the current ratings, you know, what all you can actually do on the board depends on, you know, the software that you're running and, and it, the software is going to change the current consumed by the board, right? If you're turning yeah. on the USB yeah. well, hub, basically what I do is I split the uh, the power for the hub from the power for the, from the board. So if you plug in you plug, power over USB, then it's only going to power the board. It's not going to power the hub. So you know if you, if you don't need the hub and uh, or USB, then you know you're good to go. But the only way to power the hub is to plug into the DC port. And so, you know, at that point, the hub's going to take a little bit more power because it's got the, the four hub ports. 
It's got the power to the ports themselves, and it's got the uh, the uh, Ethernet, which also uh, consumes a little bit of power as well. Okay. Well, this individual out there found something from from iSound, I think, for for under forty bucks from from Buy.com. But uh, I think that there must be a lot of things with the Beetlejuice, and it's it, it's surprising me how much this still comes up as a, a question about how do I power this off the batteries. But uh, I guess yeah. it's still not something that's well answered. I think it fits in with a lot of people's project ideas. You know, it's such a small, lightweight, powerful board that only runs off of a couple of watts. It's, you know, even with other stuff attached to it, it'd be great to have something portable. Yeah, I guess it's just it's just odd that, I mean, it doesn't, because you don't have the direct battery connectors on it, that uh, that it's not obvious that it's, it's pretty easy to run because of the low power requirements that you can run off of batteries. I just find that uh, just interesting to me. Also, cases. Everybody's always interested in, in new cases. Cohn put out some some additional pictures of cases that he's making with his MakerBot uh, this last week. Is everybody familiar with the MakerBot? Is that something? Well, I, I definitely am. <laughs> I think it, I think our listening audience is probably pretty familiar with stuff like that. Yeah, this is just, this is a, a, a cool piece of machinery. Can't wait to get one of my own. Mainly, but I think it's just, you know, with the, the little case that he's making, the idea that I can go and adjust this for whatever card that I make and, and customize it completely, I think, is, is pretty cool. I love the, the special computing cases, and the ones I usually throw in my bag are like the, the, the doghouse ones, the, 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 the metal case. But uh, Yeah, yeah it's kind of indestructible. Yeah, those suckers are tough. They're built to take a licking. <laughs> Do you know if uh, if Kuhn is going to is he opened up his uh, his files? Oh yeah, whatever he's files he them needs all to make about. Yeah, absolutely. He's got them up on the Thingiverse. Oh okay, cool. Yeah, Thingiverse is a great thing. We've also got uh, a new version of the SGX graphics drivers released. Hmm. Latida. <laughs> That's always good to have. So is that going to be, is that ready to go for all the different releases of Linux, or is there some additional work that needs to be done to get it in there? So I don't think that, it's still, I think we're at a case where patches are required for getting, in, getting it into the Linux kernel. I don't think it's at a state where it needs to be, which is, you know, the the kernel portions are, are all there and in the main line, and the only thing that changes is, you know the user space libraries, and that all all changes to the kernel were, were just being done in in mainline work. I don't think that's the case yet. Jeff, have you looked into the SGX drivers before? I honestly have not. Okay, maybe we should just edit this whole section out then. Huh? <laughs> uh, I assume at some point this stuff will show up in Angstrom and Yocto and Ubuntu, and we'll all be happy. But uh, for those of the people actually doing that that stuff. It, uh, there's an update there now. I know a lot of the questions I, I've seen on the mailing list and IRC channels been people trying to get their BeagleBoard video output onto VGA, uh, given that the, the BeagleBoard puts out just uh, digital DVI-D signals, and how do they get that out to other VGA? So I think there was yet another uh, solution for that uh, presented on the, uh, in the feed this week with a, a DVID to VGA converter. That's very cool. And for those of you that are wondering why the, the one that the BeagleBoard Toys folks put out doesn't work on the XM, when we did the layout on the XM, 
we didn't equalize the traces to make them all the same length. So that's the reason that the uh, current one that they provide does not operate properly. So uh, that's something I think they're planning, if I recall, I think they're planning to remedy that, but as of yet, I don't think it's happened. And, and I know um, several folks have been saying, oh, well, it's DVI, or oh, I can just put on a, a, a DVI to a VGA adapter, and a lot of them are just trying to grab these um, mechanical, you know, wiring adapters. Yeah. Those, of course, can't work because there's no analog signals on the DVID port. That's you correct. Need a digital to analog converter to actually get the VGA output working. So you need something like that Eagleboard Toys VGA adapter or something like this one on the RSS feed, which is uh Yeah, this one here, for those that are interested, actually takes the DVID, converts it back into parallel, and then from there it goes into a, a VGA adapter with a RAMDAX in it to directly drive the, the DV15 pin connector. So use the TFP401 and and uh, as the uh, DVI receiver. And... Uh, a Fairchild device to, uh, to actually drive the uh, VGA port. Very nice. So, and yeah, one of the from things uh, Fit PC or Fit PC2 or something, the Fit VGA converter? I believe that's it. One thing that's interesting is a lot of people have uh, little boards like this and little ideas and things that they've done, and they don't really have a mechanism for doing more than just the two or three that they've done. So. You know, if there's a lot of interesting devices like this, there's there's places that you can actually go to that are interested in helping people get these things into production to get them out to everybody else. So um, if anyone gets a hold of this or would like to find ways to get a hold of it, uh, then uh, you know, maybe some things can be worked out to actually get it produced by somebody. I guess it really depends upon the person that created it and whether or not they're interested in going down that path or not. But uh, there are ways that we can do this. So if anyone out there has an idea of something they've built and they want to actually do something with it and they don't have the wherewithal to, you know, build up, you know, 50 or 60 of them and uh, make them for sale, then uh, you can actually just uh, contact me on the mailing list at gerald at biggleboard.org and, uh, you know, I should be able to help you out and point you in the right direction. Most kind of you. Well, time's not my problem. I just I try to help everybody out too much, and nobody takes care of me. But that's okay. All I need is software. <laughs> you have your beagle board to curl up with at night, huh? Yeah, but I tell you what, some of those pins get kind of sharp, especially that JTAG. <laughs> it's like waking up in the morning and finding an imperial on the side of your face with that 14-pin JTAG hitter. <laughs> These are not pleasant thoughts. <laughs> Makes for interesting conversations at the coffee house, though. <laughs> uh, next item up is uh, the Connect. So there was also some news on the, the mailing list. Take things a bit out of order here, but uh, I know that there was some interest expressed by uh, Mark Yoder's new, what is it, ECE 4 well, it's a 400-level class now. I think last year it was a graduate-level class only, but it's a 497 class uh, that are working with Beagle boards and, and um, looks like they've got some connects now, those um, Xbox 360 sensors that, that do 3D depth finding and 
Um, a lot of people have been hacking, uh, and they're connecting those up over USB uh, to the Beagle board and using that for some of their, their projects. Uh, Whatnik off the IRC channel did a blog post this last week, and, and, and now LibFreeConnect is actually part of uh, the Angstrom distribution. You can just opackage install that, um, the get LibFreeConnect, and you know, start hooking that up to your to your Beagle board. So and start connect hacking. Not a lot of setup. Yeah, I'd read a report that said that the Connect was the fastest selling con consumer device of all time. Hmm. They're selling like 133,000 a day or some ungodly number. Hmm. Nice. And every one of them needs a Beagle board connected to it uh, in order to make it independent of that uh, lowly Xbox 360. Why would you want to hook it up to that? All right. Well, you can hook it up to a Beagle board and do whatever you want with it. Makes sense to me. Also along the lines of students, the TI BeagleBoard Challenge design winners were announced uh, last week. Oh, yeah, who won? Yeah, um, it was the um, Smart Pillbox, actually the same one that got, had gotten picked up by uh, the Pop Cyblog. Oh, that's excellent. I think that definitely went in their favor. Yeah, I sat in on a lot of those uh, office hours meetings, and I remember that uh, that group was was very invested. They seemed to show up pretty often. Yeah, they definitely put some some hard work into it. I think some some sparked uh, marketing of their idea as well. No, oh, that's excellent. So, anybody not familiar with that? It's uh, they, they utilize the OpenCV library uh, to detect when you're picking up a pill and putting it in your mouth, so that that you it has a visual verification that you actually took your medicine, and then it would start a timer to say when you need to take your medicine again. Fairly intriguing idea. Um, nice, simple implementation. You can pull down their code or on your own BeagleBoard. Requires you put green tape on your finger, though. Recognizes your face, though, without putting green tape on it. <laughs> so I'm, 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 I'm hopeful that uh, a lot of the, a lot of these students, um, you know, hacking around with uh, the Connect and with the, the, the OpenCV and these vision systems are going to get a lot of support from uh, the communities here and and Google um, and uh, Google Summer of Code projects. So I think we'll we'll bring that up more later. But uh, you know, each of these is like a um, sounds like they have a lot of potential for some advancement with the Google Summer of Code. Hopefully, Jeff, you'll be uh, be interested in, in in joining and mentoring some some of the students this year with Google Summer of Code. I don't know if you have any other efforts around that. Can't comment on it at the moment. I know that uh, at the Yocto project, we're also working on becoming uh, Google Summer of Code organization. So we will have to have to see how all that goes. Okay, great. Um, so, so Yocto did the Yocto community did manage to put in a, a, a an application for being a mentoring organization. We have put in an application. Yes, fantastic. Um, so BeagleBoard also put in uh, their application uh, last week. So I think that the deadline for filing was the the eleventh um, to make an application for mentoring organization. And uh, best of luck. We'll hope uh, both projects uh, get in. Yes, definitely. Um, we also had some embedded uh, developer. Um, it's moving forward this uh, project for cross building without a. Let me let me let me try to read what the actual heading header is. But it's a CLFS cross Linux from scratch. That's the one. It looks pretty interesting. I have not run across this before. 
step-by-step uh, -step instructions for building your own customized Linux system entirely from source. Isn't every, well, I guess not every distribution is that way, but I, I would think that most distributions are focused on uh, on building from source. But uh, maybe this one breaks it down a little bit simpler for you. I think none of yeah, it looks it looks more like an educational portal rather than a, a source for tools and things. I also noticed that they were referenced by uh, uh, the O'Reilly book on building embedded Linux systems. Do so you think this is more about understanding the details from the upstream projects, how do you build them, how do you cross-build them, um, rather than putting together the, the scripts and tools like a, a distribution would traditionally do? Right, exactly. So one of the developers from, from that uh, group, uh, Andrew, um, has been doing some work. He's got some stuff up and running on his Beagle board now. Oh, cool. Good stuff. It looks like there's a book also. They have a development and a stable branch for their uh, a book, Download the Cross Linux from Scratch book. So that might be a really interesting read. They need a BeagleBoard edition. Yeah. All right. Um, so I think that, that wraps it up for news. I know, when, uh, Gerald, when you were looking on the on, on the blog with how's the news feed, we've got that, that Twitter badge over in, the, over in the right. So it's always bringing up uh, um, little news items. You know that people are tweeting about. So I certainly haven't had any time to go through and collect tweets to try to, to summarize our news for the week. But um, maybe we'll try to bring in some 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 tweets next week. Sounds good. All right. Next on the required stuff is uh, our list of upcoming events. I'll be in the at the Embedded Technology uh, Conference next week in in Costa Rica. I'm looking forward to that. Um, immediately when I get back from there, I'm going to be at the uh, uh, Indiana Linux Fest uh, next weekend. That's uh, March 25th through 27th. So we're going to have some hands-on training there uh, for about a dozen uh, BeagleBoard people. So I'm looking for, for folks to, to contact me and, and sign up, and it'll be free training. We'll bring boards, we'll bring monitors, keyboards, mice. We're using one of the local hacker spaces there to to get uh, table space and power. Just if you, if you could let me know ahead of time, just just because uh, I think the space is going to be limited to maybe about a dozen people, uh, be useful to make sure the room isn't uh, overwhelmed and be free hands-on beagleboard training. That sounds like a great event. Looking forward to it. In Indianapolis, uh, anything else uh, coming up travel-wise for either of you? Well, there's the Embedded Linux Conference coming up the uh, second week of April, right after the Collaboration Summit. And you're going to be at that, too, as I recall. Uh, that's correct. I think there's going to be so a, you're... a decent TI and, and a, a BeagleBoard presence there at TLC. So do you actually maintain an apartment there in Texas, or are you, are you just traveling? <laughs> um Pretty much. I don't think I'm in Texas too often. Maybe just have a box at the airport. The one I'm really looking forward to, well, actually, I'm looking forward to, to each of them, um, but I'm, I'm pretty excited about Maker Fair coming up in May. Yeah, that's in uh, San Mateo, kind of in between San Jose and San Francisco, and it's always a really fantastic show. Yeah. Uh, we, we went to the... Um, Detroit Maker Fair and the New York Maker Fair last year, or at least I did. I have not yet been to the to the big one there in the Bay Area. 
I'm very much looking. It is a big one too. It is a zoo. It's uh, it, the ideal. The way to do it ideally is to get there as early as possible, and uh, plan to evacuate by about one o'clock in the afternoon because it gets to the point where you can hardly even walk around. There's so much interesting stuff there. I don't think BeagleBoard.org has uh, the Maker Booth application in yet, but we've got uh, uh, several uh, local. Um, BeagleBoard.org community members that are they're looking at making that application. We just need to get it coordinated. There's also a lot of students that want to come and show off their projects at that show. So I'm looking for a pretty good uh, uh, BeagleBoard.org community turnout there, and I think it makes sense for for us to get a a, a maker uh, booth out there. Yeah, absolutely. There's usually a really large pavilion with all the booths. I know that uh, last year MakerBot had a, uh, a booth and uh, oh, there were several different things, and there were there were beagle boards everywhere, just in various different projects. Any tin cans? I, I don't remember seeing all the. I don't. I don't think I even got through the entire pavilion, but uh, I don't remember seeing tin cans there. I think it's a sign um, of community acceptance of your your, your platform and interest. And, and, and putting, you know, your, the platform everywhere when somebody puts it inside of a tin can. I think it's a, <laughs> a simply a mark of um, of growth. It means you've arrived. You've arrived when you're when you're when you've made it into the tin can. So that's what I've got for um, the the news and upcoming events. I think we had a couple of uh, special topics for today. I think we had to go over the the, the Rev C hardware and software updates, and then we can uh, uh, chat about news on the boards and um, what, what we might want to do in the future. Okay, well, I'll just go ahead and jump in here. Um, we've got the uh, RevC hardware. Uh, it has been checked out and looks good. Now, when I say RevC, what I mean is the BeagleBoard XM RevC, and um, it's been checked out. There's, no, there's nothing really major on here. We're going to the uh, production rev of the silicon. Um, we did make a tweak to the over-voltage protection circuit. We've still got a few people every now and then that uh, are having voltage problems and blowing up boards, and uh, not so much the whole board, but the uh, the uh, power fats for the uh, USB ports. So I prefer that there be none. So we made another tweak on that that hopefully takes care of that. And I think we fixed one other package footprint deal. Um, the biggest changes from a hardware perspective was that we've added the ability to uh, detect whether or not the board is being powered over the uh, USB port or over the DC port, and we defaulted the power up to where the hub is not turned on, so the, the software will need to be able to, uh, to turn that on to enable the hub. Uh, that way, for those applications that don't need the hub, it just isn't automatically turning on. Those in and of themselves aren't too difficult. The, the more difficult loop that we threw software was that, you know, as we change revision of the hardware, we also change the board IDs. So we've upped the board ID to the next configuration so the software can tell that it's uh, the next rev of the board. Unfortunately, the uh, U-boot that was there today uh, it's not my fault. It wasn't anything it seen before and didn't know anything about the future, so went back to the Stone Age and decided to call himself something like a, a Rev A Beagle or something. 
pre-XM version C. Um, and it's I've been able to, to power the thing off of the USB cable now, so I don't get the um, infamous uh, crash due to the unplugged interrupt service routine for the uh, the, the gadget driver. You know, normal. I think that the the previous uh, demo image that or, or validation image that shipped to the BeagleBoards included a, a a kernel bug that if you powered it up off of the USB port on the the BeagleBoard that you know it would uh, get a, a fault in the in the boot because the interrupt service routine not being plugged. So that's no longer there. Uh, I'm also able to to power up the board and run it off the power of the USB. Uh, I am doing it with the the hub powered off, so I don't have my keyboard and mouse um, working, um, but I do have the network connection uh, working, which actually surprised me. I, I wouldn't have expected the network to be on if the um, hub power was off. Is that the way it's supposed to work? Uh, no, it should be powered off unless you're going through the uh, OTG port. I'm powering it up off of the OTG port, but no, I'm not doing networking over the OTG. I'm actually doing networking off of the, uh, you know, off of the the EHCI port and the the the, the Ethernet on the board. So what I'm, what I'm guessing I'll, I'll what's going on here? Yeah, I'm, Go I'm ahead. trying to find my cable now. And I can't seem to find it. Every time mm-hmm. I clean up my office, I lose everything. So this kernel is not patched to to utilize the new ability to detect that it's powering off of the OTG port instead of the, the barrel jack. Um, so I'm guessing it's still trying to power up the hub, but uh, you know the, the limited power off of the the USB host is, is is maybe what's cutting that off. I don't know. All I know is it's working. Something to look into. That would alleviate a whole lot of confusion that I see pop up on the mailing list from time to time. Yeah, I think it's been a pretty frequent uh, asked question. So why can't I power my BeagleBoard off of USB anymore? So getting the software out there that actually enables that will be nice. A few other software changes in this latest uh, release candidate from Angstrom. Um, I sent in some loading the, the kernel. So I've got a, a patch in there to load the kernel off of the EXT2 partition or EXT3 partition on the, the SD card, lots of, of chatter going on about if that's really a good thing or not. Uh, should the um, kernel be stored in the FAT partition or in the EXT partition? I have my thoughts. So, so have you voiced those thoughts? I don't think that the, the <laughs> FAT is going to be any more stable than uh, EXT2 or EXT3. The, if I can eliminate the FAT partition entirely, uh, I will be much happier if I can get EXT2, EXT3 support into the X loader or MLO, or um, or we can switch over to the U-boot SPL uh, for booting. So the, this uh, SPL is essentially performing the same function as a as an X loader. I don't know if it, SPL stands for Special Purpose Loader or something like that, but it's maintained in the the mainline U-boot tree. And it uh, specifically is designed for for doing certain boot functions, like booting only from NAND or booting only from SD, or but otherwise ways to to make the bootloader much smaller. Which is the reason we have this MLO or X loader in the first place, because that fits entirely within the on-chip RAM of the the processor, 
before the external memory is configured, and it's used to configure that external memory and then load the the image from the next uh, bootloader being uBoot. I just took a look on OMAPedia, by the way, and it looks like SPL is a second program loader. Second program and it is loader. A, I believe it actually is uBoot. Or, uh, sorry, I believe it actually is XLoader. Well, I think they're using the XLoader source to create SPL. I, I think that mm. the, when you look at the, at least the the management of it, I think it changes, right? So the there is now a upstream for XLoader at gitorius.org slash x-loader. Mm -hmm. That's somewhat managed differently than the uh, U-Boot community. All right, that's uh, on uh, dinks.de. So I think that's, I, I think this, the code source space for XLoader is what's going into SPL, but they're not uh, one and the same. Oh, interesting. I think it's going to be easier for us to pull EXT3 support or EXT2 support into uh, this SPL and, and then eliminate the the need for the FAT partition entirely. We, I've already got the XLoader or uh, MLO file to where I can just write it into the master boot record. And, and that solves a lot of the, the challenges of, well, when you format your card, you have to make sure that you copy the MLO file on there first. Um, it just completely eliminates that problem by, uh, well, you're just going to write it to this sector. So you can do that after it's formatted. All the restrictions on, on how it's formatted are, are greatly simplified. Is it easy to write that into the bootloader? Or sorry, to write it into the master boot record? Yeah, you just you just copy it into the master boot record. You just need to make sure not to overwrite the partition table or the FAT entries. Uh, so you need to look a little bit about how the card is formatted in that regards. But uh, mm. um, if you just avoid overwriting the partition table, um, it's small enough that the the, the first uh, uh, boot record entries shouldn't be until well after the uh, the MLO. Okay, I think I put you guys both to sleep on that that that. <laughs> <laughs> Just get asked these questions a lot, so. No, that's a really good one. Yeah, that one is asked quite a lot on the mailing list and in IRC. The other big change in the the bootloader was the switch between boot.scr and a textual environment variables settings. So now instead of having this uh, boot script that has to be run through this uh, make image tool in order to, to give it a signature for, for being loaded into to, to memory, uh, you just put a text file on there, uenv.txt, uh, into that front partition. And instead of executing the commands out of it, though, it's going it's all in the, the format of variable equals um, setting, variable equals setting. It's all about uh, overriding the environment variable settings. So now if you want to change the resolution of your, your BeagleBoard display, all you have to do is um, write into uenv.txt, DVI mode equals, and the resolution that you want, and you're done. Also going to does, that file, does that file by any chance have a list of the valid DVI configurations? Because not all of them are, are valid, right? Uh, they're not. Um, it does not. The There's a file in the Angstrom distribution. If you install um, a certain package, I think it's included in the, the demo releases. It's in slash boot 
there's a file that describes uh, the various uh, methods for defining the DVI mode. Okay. So for it's good to know because we do get asked that quite a lot. Yeah. I think the, the file may be on. TSS2 or something like that. Oh, okay. <laughs> Can you guess that? Well known. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a, an obvious one. Anything else to cover on this uh, RevC uh, hardware and software update? I think that pretty much covers it. So uh, shall we um, move on to any discussion, any interesting topics that we wanted to cover on the, the mailing list? Well, uh, over at uh, Rose Coleman, uh, Professor Yoder is starting up a, a class. I think we touched on that a little bit. Uh, so there's been quite a bit of activity there on that. Um, there's some uh, interesting topics on the uh, Google Summer of Code project ideas. So if any of you got some project ideas you want to get out here pretty quick, then uh, throw them out to the IRC channel or to the, uh, the mailing list and uh, get some feedback from the community and uh, see if you can uh, use the community to help you uh, formulate and solidify your ideas. Yeah, so the, the project selection committee or whatever you call the uh, mentoring organization selection group or I don't know what they call themselves or how exactly that is, but the, they're probably getting active now looking at all those applications and sort of the cleaning up our ideas page would be a pretty important thing to do. I know that there's been a lot of uh, IRC uh, discussions. I think we're going to have a, a call with the the, the Last year's mentor is coming up here soon to talk more about the ideas page. So hopefully uh, uh, get some, some good participation there. And anybody who's interested, uh, I think the call to action right now is to update that ideas page. Now that's a call to action for the mentors who've been previously there or for previous students or for prospective students? I think it's for, for, for all. Um, prospective okay. students... Uh, you know, if they start, uh, they should be looking at what's on the the ideas page and and making suggestions to others. Uh, if they're not seeing the type of project that they want to do, uh, to make sure that it ends up getting into the to the ideas page, because you know, and that they're finding a mentor that's willing to uh, to support them on their topic. Just because a student gets up there and doesn't see the type of project that they want to do. Uh, listed there now doesn't mean that they're not going to be able to find good mentoring support. So I'd encourage a student to go ahead and add their idea and, and uh, let the mentors filter it out or or use that as an opportunity to identify that student. So I, I'd say it's a it's 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 a prospective students, prospective mentors, uh, previous mentors should all be uh, involved in editing that uh, ideas page and. They can. It's a wiki. Anybody can go and, and edit it. Uh, you know, just use good rational sense, and your edits won't get erased. Um, and hop on the IRC channel and and you know and hash Beagle and, and discuss it. That is that does bring up a good point that it's the, the students who get accepted are very often the ones who interact with the community early, rather than just submitting a, a an idea and and letting the winds of fortune take their course. If you get in, if you get onto the IRC channel and have discussions or on the mailing list and get yourself known, you're much more likely, I think, to be chosen because it shows a lot more uh, dedication to the effort. Absolutely. I can say with uh, um, really good certainty that if they don't have 
you know, if it's not easy to match them up with a mentor, um, that they're not likely to be selected, right? So we really want to have mm-hmm. uh, a, a mentor in the community that's that's ready to support them and, and make them successful in their project. Most definitely. And we actually have one idea going on. It's being discussed on the mailing list right now. It's a car PC project, which kind of goes back to our, our DC-DC converter discussion earlier. Right. So is, what oh, is this project about? Pretty interesting, is it, uh, too. Is it about uh, making it fit? Uh, you know, I think that the, the, the projects that are oriented on delivering open source software are obviously going to have a lot more success within the, the Google Summer of Code than, than say, something that's a, a one-off, hey, I want to install a VeagleBoard into, uh, into my car, right? That's not really a, a Google Summer of Code type of project. Yeah, it's kind of a sitting on the back porch summer kind of project. <laughs> so, with what being discussed on the mailing list right now, um, looking like it will really emerge into a good uh, a good project that lots of people are going to be able to leverage that software, leverage what what this um, what's coming out of this idea. You know, I'm I'm reading it, uh, rereading it right now, and I think it does. It looks like the uh, the student who posted that has. Uh, has got a, a whole lot of ideas that even if the even if somebody wasn't going to duplicate their particular effort, they might be able to use a lot of the knowledge they're coming up with. Things like uh, heat production, you know, coping with heat production, and uh, using OpenGL. Great. And some of those build on things that we did last year with with the uh, with the BeagleBoard Google Summer of Code project. I know we had a student working on OpenGLES last year. We had uh, OpenCV. OpenCV, right? We, we, um, yeah. I mean, there was some utilization of uh, OpenGLIS, I think, in the XBMC project, but that was primarily focused on uh, on uh, ARM-based um, optimizations for improving the compositing of XBMC. And then there was oh, right. um, um, this, uh, the OpenCV project, right, which was was focused on optimizing the performance of those vision libraries. Okay. So let's uh, let's let's get our, our wrap up here. Uh, what do we what do we want to talk about in the future, and who do we want to pull on as uh, future guests? I think that uh, we can see just going through the news uh, takes quite a bit of time, but uh, mm-hmm. hopefully we can we can. I think this will be a lot more interesting if we can get some really focused topics, um, some some interesting speakers. There's a there's a lot going on with um, with the Octo and the state of uh, OE Core. Yeah, there's a, a whole lot going on with Yocto right now. Yocto is working on a, a release, and we've got uh, a lot of testing going on. And in particular, we, there is a BSP for the Beagle Board that is a part of Yocto that uh, that builds and, and runs. So you can use Yocto to build a, a distribution specifically for the Beagle Board. So is there, a, is there a specific topic there? Maybe somebody we can bring on to to discuss some some details. Maybe Richard. Maybe uh, uh, maybe Kuhn. Yeah, Richard or or one of the engineers from the team. I'll do. I'll canvas them and see if what uh, see what they think. See if anybody's got some time to do that. Okay. So what are the things we think would make would make for a really good uh, guest? Maybe we should have this. Uh, Maybe move this all offline, or is there some some things that we can let our uh, our listeners look forward to? Well, I think you know, for getting you know, we would like to get as much input as possible from the listeners out there. And uh, if there's someone that you really want to hear 
uh, from. We'd be happy to see what we can do to get them on and uh, have a uh, discussion with them. And we prefer it be someone that's uh, pertinent in the Linux community. And definitely, I don't think we want to do any movie stars or anything like that. But uh, <laughs> I, I guess if you can find out some movie star that actually knows and does Linux as a hobby, then that might be interesting to talk about. But, uh, you know, if there's enough demand here, we can kind of use that to prioritize. We want to make sure that we bring people on here that are, are of interest. I know uh, Robert Nelson's name has been mentioned, and uh, I don't know if the folks that are using Ubuntu will want to give up uh, 30 minutes of his time, but, uh, you know, those are some folks that have been talked about. So, uh, you know, we're welcome. Anybody's input as to, you know, who we can get on here that would be of interest. I was just going to say that I thought it would be good to have uh, some of the folks from the rowboat group come and talk about Android. That's a good point. That, that would be excellent. I have them bring their oars and spend right. some time with us. All right. Appreciate your time, gentlemen, this week. My pleasure. You bet. So that does it for BeagleCast. Um, we'll be looking for your questions and suggestions. Hopefully to be included in the next week's BeagleCast. And have a great week.